0: Pickle pork, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown, Ever since we've been knocking them down, baby says you want to go to the game. Sort of how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown, the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down, them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of our homies, all of Padre gang. Yeah, they. what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 233 of the Talking Furs podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Padres just took three out of four against the Arizona Diamondbacks. One today, six to one. One yesterday, two to nothing. Then one on Friday, 12 to three. After having that team meeting, I believe, before Friday's game, win those three games. Now they have the off day. Then they have the Cardinals series. Uh, things are looking good right now. I think it was a good San Diego sports weekend, if you ask me. Uh the Padres now sit in the second wild card spot ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies. They're a half game ahead of the Phillies, and they are two and a half games ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers for the final wild card spot. So things look good right now. Um obviously things can change. The Cardinals are a better team than the Diamondbacks, but obviously what we're focusing on today is this Diamondback series, and things went well. For the most part, Uh, I thought it was led by the starting pitching, just starting off here. Darvish, Musgrove, Snell combined the last three days, 19 innings, one earned run. Sign me up for that. You, Darvish today gave up one hit. Joe Musgrove yesterday, six solid innings. Blake Snell, seven innings in less than 100 pitches on Friday. That's what led the series, I think. There's some other, you know, main uh, storylines, main positive takeaways from this series, I think. Uh, I think one of them is definitely Juan Soto. Looks like he's back. Thank you, John Schaefer, by the way, saying that they should sit him on, I think, Friday. And since then, he's been pretty much on fire. Homer today, three hits today. Uh, On Friday, he was using the opposite field. So he looks like he's taken much better swings at the plate. Um none of the that like weak ground outs to the pitcher like we saw in the ninth inning on Thursday. So there's a lot of good positive takeaways, I think, from this series. The main two ones are probably starting pitching, Snell and Musgrove bouncing back. Um, and then Juan Soto and, and the rest of the offense as well. Hit hit a good amount of home runs uh in this series. Manny homering today, Soto homering today, uh Campy homering yesterday. Nola homering on Friday. There was one other guy that homered on Friday. Uh, oh, Brandon Drury hit two home runs, duh. So a lot of home runs in this series. So offense was great. Bullpen for the most part, I thought was good. Uh, and Then the starting pitching, uh, bouncing back. So let me know your thoughts in the comments. You're live on YouTube. Let me know what you're thinking. Any questions. Um. Uh, after I'm done with the games and stuff, talking about the games, I will get to all of those comments, all of those questions. If you want to support the channel, you can use that Super Chat button down there, hit the dollar sign. Uh, also, on other videos, you can use the Super Thanks button. I appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Gaglion Bros Famous cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries. Gaglionbros.com is their website. They're located on Friars Road, inside Snapdragon Stadium, and inside Petco Park. Great. Uh, fries, cheesesteaks, cheesesteak fries. Uh, I love it. I recommend you uh, check them out. They were in Snapdragon yesterday. I was there for the Wave game. I know this isn't, um, you know, a San Diego sports podcast. It's more Padres, uh, but I don't have a Wave show. Maybe in the future, but uh, I did want to shout them out real quick. That environment was nuts. Uh, a great one, nothing win over Angel City. Kalen Sheridan. Best goalie in the league, Jaden Shaw, 17 years old with the go-ahead goal. Uh, Yeah, San Diego Sports, it's not in a bad spot, Um, contrary to someone's belief. He shall not be named. You know what I'm talking about uh, if you're on Twitter, at least I think. Scroll down in my profile, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, Okay, so... Let's I want to act. Usually I'm going backwards. So if it's like a four game series, I go Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday. But since I think the team meeting part and Bob Melvin calling out the players was important here, I'm going to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, today. Uh, I think that makes more sense for this episode. So on Thursday, obviously, the Padres lost for nothing. It was the second time in two weeks that the Padres were shut out by a Diamondbacks pitcher making his big league debut. Both of them went seven innings. Ryan Nelson a couple weeks ago, uh, and on Thursday it was Dre Jamison. That was one of the low points probably of the season. They let Jamison go seven innings, no runs, two hits, walked only one guy, struck out five of them. Uh, Bomell said post game, It didn't even feel like we even put up a fight. Um, and he was right. You know, it was just pretty lifeless. Just look at that ninth inning. I know Jameson wasn't pitching in that ninth inning, but I think it was the two, three, and four hitters. And it was like they just wanted to get out of there. Uh, Juan Soto, obviously, he turned it around this weekend, so Thursday doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. Um, It could have been a big deal if it would have spiraled from there, obviously. But, like, the ninth inning, just weak ground ball almost like a hosmer type ground ball to the pitcher and he's out um just there were a lot of there were a lot of at bats where guys were just expanding the zone i thought um and that was just not the way to start off the series that's not a way you're going to win games offensively if you're going to do that consistently uh, just some that stood out to me brandon drury i think there was a fastball in when the pitch was wanted to be away uh, supposed to be away. Swung at it. Weak pop up. Second. Um, it was either Drew or Myers. I forget who it was, but that's what happened there. Grisham struck out a couple times looking. By the way, another positive takeaway in this series. Jose Azokar is probably the center fielder now. Starting center fielder. He's deserved it. Uh, in this Arizona series, I think he hit 500. Um, I believe after Friday's game. He was hitting three, or excuse me, hitting four eighty-three since August twentieth. So he's definitely earned that starting center field position. Uh, but getting back to Thursday in the offense, it was just pretty uh, pathetic. I think I can find. Let me try to find the Bob Melvin audio real quick because he. You could tell that he was irritated. I think if you look at the video as well, which is out on my social media channels at Talking Friars on Twitter and Instagram. He was irritated. Um, Just, you could see, sometimes in Bomell's voice, you can't really hear it, but if you looked at his responses to the media and and just his facial expression, he was not happy. So here is Bomell. Here's the audio. This was after Thursday night's loss, saying that the team looked flat, uh, pretty much calling him out. I'm pretty sure he called the team out as well before he even talked to the media, but... This was him. How frustrating is it not to be able to get anything going against him? Very, very frustrating. Didn't even felt like we even put up a fight. So, that's uh, can't play this way, especially this time of year. There you go. Can't play this way this time of year. I totally agree. And the Padres players had a players-only meeting, I guess, before Friday's game. And Joe Musgrove spoke. Don't know who else spoke, but Dennis Lynn in the Athletics said Joe spoke. And it was more about egos uh, and just, you know, doing your part, doing what has to be done to help the team win. And from what Dennis Lynn said and what Joe was saying in quotes, it looked like guys were more focused on personal stuff, at least some guys, and that just got in the way of the team and what it has to take for the team to win consistently uh here is joe musgrove this was in the athletic to dennis lynn said quote our struggles right now are not from a lack of preparation our personal desires or hopes or wants dot 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 it's becoming more of a front focus than just meeting the demands of the game so personal desires in front of the team and obviously i see that quote and i immediately think okay who are putting their personal desires ahead of the team. It was hard for me to even think about who would. like. Usually, you'd think it's the guys that are struggling. So, is it Juan Soto? I mean, he's under contract for two more years after this year. It's not like he's a free agent at year's end. He seems, I mean, I think it's just a really bad slump. I don't see him putting personal desires ahead of the team there. Uh, You look at you know, free agents that are going to, or guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the season, like uh, Mike Clevenger, Shaw Mania, Nick Martinez, because he, he has the option, uh, Profar, if he uh, declines his player option, guys like that. And I'm like, who's doing that then? I mean, Manaya is just, he just pitched one inning out of the bullpen uh, and came back strong and he's adjusting the way he's pitching a little bit. Um I was just trying to figure out who might be putting the personal desires ahead of the team, you know? That was weird to me. Um, Maybe not the quote, but I was just trying to figure out who might be. And I guess it's a good thing I couldn't really figure out who might be putting their personal desires ahead of the team. Um, So, look, at the end of the day, Padres took three out of four after their team meeting on Friday to address the egos and all that stuff. So the team meeting worked. Uh, that's all that matters. And they can put that personal ego, the, the per, you know the meeting and what was said there, they could put that, I guess, behind them because now they're playing more as a team. Uh, Yonder Alonso, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I believe this was before Friday's game. He took a picture, it's on Twitter, if you just go look him up. He took a picture of... The foul lines, each team, the Diamondbacks and the Padres, you could see it in the one shot that he posted during the National Anthem. Diamondbacks, they're not contending. There wasn't many people on the line for the National Anthem. The Padres had their entire team on the line for the Anthem. Usually the Padres have a good amount of guys on the line for the Anthem, but I don't know if I've seen the whole year at all I don't know. I wasn't there opening day. I was in New York, but maybe sometime then. But other than that, I haven't seen games that I've been to. I have not seen the whole team be on the line for the national anthem. And so I think that team meeting really changed stuff stuff and players were like, okay, well, we just got yelled at. Um, we got to be a team. How can we be a team? All of us go out there and, uh, Be united and be more of a team from even before the game starts and look it ended up working it ended up working um scored 12 runs on what was that friday night and then win saturday and then win by five today so whatever happened in the team meeting it worked and that's all i care about i think that's all fans should probably care about um by the way, Thursday Thursday was when Shamania pitched. I want to touch on him a little bit. I know that the game didn't work out great, but I thought Shamania pitched pretty well. Obviously, he'd been struggling. They took him out of the rotation for one start or skipped this start. Had that one inning out of the bullpen against the Dodgers. It was probably his bullpen day, so they just had him throw. And I think that ninth inning game was over already. Um, and now he starts. Then he starts Thursday. Five innings, two earned runs, doesn't walk anyone. Um, struck out three guys. Yeah, he gave up two home runs, but those were a couple of mistakes, whatever. Uh, look, you take, I'll take five innings, two runs out of Shamaniah every time out. Um, what I liked from him, at least early on, he was kind of varying his deliveries. Um, I said this on Twitter while I was clipping the, um, uh, some of the plays in the game some of his pitches it was just the regular windup some it was like a you darvish kind of hesitation i know mania is a lefty but it was kind of that you darvish hesitation and then there were some where it was like a tim hill quick pitch you know how tim hill quick pitches sometimes that's what i saw from mania a little bit um so i think that maybe fooled some diamondbacks guy or took them by surprise a little bit and that gave him success I don't know if it was the third inning. I don't remember. But maybe it was since the third inning in that start, he stopped doing it. Like, he stopped uh, varying the deliveries. It was just more of regular delivery. I wish he would have varied it and continued to vary the delivery throughout the start. But, hey, I'm still going to take five innings, two runs. I guess I'm nitpicking a little bit there. But I'll take that any day. Um, I, th- I thought that was really, really encouraging from Sean. You know, he really struggled, really struggled. There were obviously fans saying that he should not pitch the rest of this year uh, in the rotation. You know, just skip him. I thought that they should have done what exactly they did and skip him until they have to use him based on off days and stuff. I was fine with them using them or using Minaya, uh when they had to. I wasn't so big on, like, bringing up Reese Kinnear and not pitching Manai at all. I think you have to use him. But I think that it was smart the way that they did it. Give him that one inning against the Dodgers. Didn't really matter. Just throw him out there. Maybe get some things working. And then bring him out against the Diamondbacks. It's not as strong of his his opponent. Um, He had a couple weeks to work with Ruben Niebla and Ben Fritz, the bullpen coach. And whoever, to work on his mechanics and stuff, I thought that was a good time to throw him out there. And it definitely worked. So props to Shamanaya there. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was the positive. That was the only positive I took from Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, obviously, it was a much, much better series. Uh, By the way, MCC 951 here ask a question here. Machado is great on the field. How is he as a clubhouse leader? I think he's probably great as a clubhouse leader. I mean, uh, that probably isn't a great answer, but I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't know. Um, I, I, I would think that he's, for me, he's probably more of a lead by his actions type of guy. Uh, I'm sure he speaks up. I'm sure he's he, along with Musgrove, Spoke up during that players only meeting before Friday's game when they scored 12 runs. But to me, you know, him posting it every day, playing every day, whether it's DHing like he did today or at third, I think he leads by example that way, you know. Um, being a good teammate, I think that's how he leads. I don't know about in the clubhouse, but I assume that he's. I mean, it seems like everyone likes him, so it's probably not a great answer. But that's all I can really say. I'm not in there. I'll get to the comments and the questions, by the way, uh, at the end when I'm done talking about all the talking about all of these games. Don't worry. You can use the super chat button to make sure I get to your comment as well. Um, all right. So moving on to Friday's game, Padres won 12 to three. Big story out of this game, I thought, was Blake Snell had. That blow-up inning against the Dodgers, uh, the start before Friday. But he looked really good, really good. I mean, that breaking ball looked amazing on Friday, I thought. Um, Seven innings, one earned run, didn't walk anyone, struck out seven guys. Yeah, he gave up a home run, but uh, it was his first start. I was reading this in Kevin Ace's newsletter. It was Snell's first start of his career where he went seven innings in less than 100 pitches, I believe. He finished with 95 pitches, 59 of them were strikes, and then handed off to the bullpen for Morhone and then Stammon. Stammon sucked, but the game was over by then, so whatever. Um, but yeah, great, great night from Blake Snow, I thought. Um, let me go through the play-by-play here. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. About like specific moments. By the way, 70% of his fastballs that he threw on Friday were for strikes. So that's another thing, right? Because Blake Snell, uh, sometimes when he's walking a bunch of guys, it's the fastball. He literally just can't throw the fastball for a strike. But that's the opposite of what he did on Friday. He, He threw the fastball for strikes consistently. One two three second inning that he had, one two three third. Give the home run to Christian Walker, uh, but then struck out Carson Kelly the next batter. When he allowed that double to Corbin Carroll got right out of it with the ground ball in the fifth. So limiting, you know, the trouble. One two three, sixth inning. And then again, he had the double, gave up the double to Dalton Varshow in the seventh. uh, And then got Alcantara to line out to center. So a very, very encouraging start, I I thought, from Blake Snell. Feel free to give your thoughts on his start uh, in the comments, and I'll get to that. And obviously, you know, the offense, holy cow, the offense broke up. You know, Brandon Drury, two home runs in this game. Austin Nola homered fourth home run of the year. I didn't know he already had three home runs before that. Like he is, he has no power. Uh, At least that's what we know him for. Uh, And then Juan Soto, obviously big takeaway there. Uh, One of the big takeaways from Friday's game. I thought just him taking it the opposite way is what I took from that game. And he took it, He took that away from it as well, I believe he said, post-game. Like, he was more encouraged by his line-out in whatever inning that was to left than his RBI single uh, to center in, I think, the fifth inning where Nola scored. And I, I kind of agree with him because, you know, it was a blowout. RBI single, okay, that's not a huge difference. But him going the opposite way, like, and hard not a weak pop-up or anything going the opposite way like to the warning track we haven't seen that in a long time from Juan and so us seeing that that, that's obviously huge um because when he does go the opposite way you go back to Washington from like 2019 2021 like his best years so far in the big leagues um he was going to the opposite way more than he has this year and More than definitely he has with the Padres so far this year uh, since he was traded from the Nationals. So when he's going the opposite way, what that tells me is that's probably when he's at his best. Kind of like Will. I know Will's not a lefty, but when he's going the opposite way as well, the right center, feels like, to me, that's when he's at his best as well. So very encouraged from what I saw from Juan on Friday and the rest of the weekend. Obviously today he had a huge day, three-hit game. Um, So there was a lot to take from a lot of uh, encouraging things to take from Friday night. Jose Zocar, another one, three for four on Friday. And like I mentioned earlier, after Friday's game, since being called up on August 20th, he was hitting 483. And I'm sure that average is higher now because he hit 500 during this Diamondback series, I believe. So, yeah, it's um, very encouraging. Yeah, you know, nothing against Trent Grisham, but right now the Padres, uh, I guess now you could say they're fighting for the second wild card spot. They're also, you know, they're still fighting to get in. Because they're still fighting to get in and they're fighting for playoff positioning and all that, like you gotta play the best guy. It doesn't matter who the name is, who's contributing more, who's helping the team win more. Jose Zokar is good in the outfield. He has ridiculous speed. Um he's earned the at bats at least right now, over Trent Grisham. And like Bob Melvin said, Trent Grisham, he's come up with some big home runs. You know, Uh, Whenever you feel like, okay, maybe make a change, he goes and hits a big home run. Um, Now they made the change, so we'll see if they continue with that. I think Grisham's still going to help this team the rest of the year, but as long as Jose Zocar is continuing to play well, as long as he's continuing to hit well, I think... Jose Zokar should be playing center field. I think he should be the starting center fielder, period. Um, so that was another encouraging thing that I saw on Friday. Um, so a, a big win, blowout win. Great to have a blowout win in the Padres' favor. Uh, man, I think Hassan Kim didn't Hassan Kim homer in this game off of Carson Kelly? Yeah. What was the velo on that? Like 50 miles an hour? My ph- my phone's not going to load. And there's an ad, so... Yeah, I think it was like in the 50s. Hung the pits to Kim, and Kim hit a liner to left. But yeah, very encouraging. Very encouraging, obviously, not just that game, but this weekend, because Saturday, right, they have the great Friday win. Can they carry it over? I think, you know, Friday and Saturday, those were two different wins, obviously. Friday... Just poured it on with the runs Saturday, there wasn't a lot of runs coming. They had to play much better fundamental baseball. The pitching had to be great, and boy was it uh Joe Musgrove was great he 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 was telling Dennis Lynn that he had found something um the day before his start this weekend, so Friday usually he's not throwing on the mound before the day before a start, but i believe I guess according to Lynn he went on the mound at Chase Field in the bullpen or something and he threw a few pitches because he found something while he was throwing flat ground so he wanted to replicate that on the mound right Um, and so it worked I'm glad that Campy was catching Musgrove on Saturday because that Wednesday start when Musgrove had a lot of success I know it wasn't as great at the tail end of that start but that Wednesday game against the Giants he was strong striking out a lot of guys I think 11 guys, it was double digits, that's what I know. Struck out a lot of guys in that start, and it looked like they were working. They liked working with each other. Uh, I'm sure Musgrove likes working with Nola, but Campy, obviously, homering on Saturday, so he he made his bat worth it to put him in there. Uh, and, And Musgrove obviously was comfortable. Six innings, no walks, no runs, eight strikeouts. I was at the Wave game, so I didn't watch the entire game. I I went back and watched some of it earlier this morning before uh, the Padres game today, the series finale. And what I saw, I wanted to watch Musgrove start mostly. And what I saw from that was really confident stuff. Uh, The breaking ball, confident in whatever Campy was calling. Fastball uh, was... It was one of those things where he'd throw the fastball sometimes middle, hard of the zone, hard of the hard of the plate, and he was fine because it goes right past the D-back hitters. So he, they were doing a good job, Campion Musgrove, of keeping uh, the D-back hitters a little off, you know, uh, a little off balance, guessing a little bit. The pitch sequencing looked good, so very, very encouraging from Joe. Uh, obviously. When this rotation, Snell had the blow-up start. Musgrove didn't pitch so great. Clevenger, eh, he's up and down. That's what gets you worried, right, about if the Padres can make the postseason. When those things are going wrong. When guys, you know, they're not going six strong innings like we saw in this Arizona series. But, yeah, Darvish in there with Snell and Musgrove, those are your three starters in a wild-card series. This series, they combined for 19 innings, one earned run allowed. That's very encouraging. I know they're facing the Diamondbacks. And I know they probably wouldn't have allowed one run only if they were facing the Dodgers. But they're not going to have to face the Dodgers in a wild card series. Even if they did have to face the Dodgers in a series like that, the way that they pitched in this series, hitting their spots, keeping guys off balance getting out of situations when they have a, when they get a runner on second base. Doing that stuff, you're confident in them when they take the mound, regardless of who they face. At least I am, if they're going to pitch like that. Now it's just the question of if the offense, at the same time as the starters, right, can score runs as well. They can have that. Obviously, you want that combination to happen as the season comes to an end and they go into October, assuming they make the postseason. If that combination happens, they can beat anyone maybe other than the Dodgers. I still don't think they can beat the Dodgers at least right now, but they just have to prove it. Um, until I can believe that to be honest, but anyone else, I think they can beat. Maybe I'm an idiot for that, but I think I'm confident in this team when things are going well, when the starting pitching is pitching the way that they did this weekend, especially Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Mania use them out of the bullpen. Um, probably in the postseason, if he pitches, varies his deliveries, I really like where this team is at. Obviously, there's still 15 games left after today, and so the starting pitching could go back down, or it could continue trending up or stay at where it's at. Um, Things can change, but obviously I'm reacting to what I just saw this weekend, and what I just saw from the starting pitching staff this weekend was very encouraging. It was very solid. A great weekend from the starting pitching. Um, Nick Martinez, by the way, I want to shout him Him and Hader. Three combined innings out of the bullpen. Martinez, 15 pitches, two innings on Saturday night. No hits, no runs, struck out two guys, didn't walk anyone. Hader gave up a hit, but then immediately got the save. Uh, obviously, no runs, no walks, struck out a guy. So... Encouraging all around on Saturday night from the pitching. And Josh Hader, I've already said it, he's back. I know he's back. The fastball, I think he used 17 out of his, or how many pitches he threw? 15? 14 out of his 15 pitches that he threw, uh, I believe, were fastballs. When that fastball is working and you can complement that with the changeup as we saw in Seattle or slider for a strike or maybe a little below the zone, fool some guys he can be the best reliever and the best closer in baseball. Um, so very encouraging from what I saw from the guys on Saturday. Uh, and you know, grinding out wins, right? Obviously, like I mentioned, Friday and Saturday's offensive wins or their offensive performances were different. They're opposite, right? Friday, a lot of runs Saturday wasn't so much, but they beat Zach gallon. Zach gallon didn't make it through six on Saturday night against the Padres offense. Um, They're going to have to face some Zach Gallons in the postseason, you would think. And so proving that you can win against some, you know, a, a Zach Gallon type arm like that. I think that's that's big. For the players, you know, the confidence in the players, confidence for the front office, the coaching staff, all that. Obviously, there's confidence from us. At least I was I gained some confidence in this team from Saturday's win, being able to play clean baseball. Pitching staff was great, and the offense was able to grind out a win against the best pitcher in baseball probably for the last month and a half or so. Guy, like, never gave up a run. They did that. Uh, It shows that they can do it. It's just obviously a matter of consistency, as it is with every team. Uh, So after Thursday's bad loss, winning Friday and Saturday was big. Obviously, though, winning today, that's what we really wanted take this series, take three out of four, especially when the Yankees were able to come back today. They were losing. Colton Wong had that home run during my pregame show. They were losing, came back, and they were able to knock off Milwaukee 12-8. to Aaron Judge hit two bombs. He now has, I believe, 59 home runs on the year. Babe Ruth hit 61 years, so he's one away from that. He's two away from the Yankees' all-time single-season record of Roger Maris, 61 bombs. I believe that's the American League record as well. Uh, Certainly seems like he's going to get to it. He has like 19 games left to get three home runs to break the record. Um, So especially getting back to the Padres, especially on a day where the Yankees were able to help out the Padres finally after losing the first two games of the series, Padres winning today, Gave him that extra game ahead of Milwaukee, two and a half up now instead of just the game and a half. Um, and obviously, that is huge because you never know what's going to happen later in the season when the Padres have to face the Dodgers again and the Cardinals these next three games. And Milwaukee, I believe, still has some series against uh, the Pirates and the Reds, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I believe that's what they have. Uh, Darvish was tremendous today, he had a perfect game. Uh, through 13 batters, should have struck out. Star, uh, not Starling Cattell Marte, but the home plate umpire was blind. Uh, go watch the video at Talking Friars on Twitter. Just absolute crap calls, three in a row. I think it was three in a row. Darvish, I think it was a one-one count. Let me look up the video. It was a one-one count, and he struck out Cattell Marte. He threw four strikes in that at bat but in the scorebook, it was a walk because the home plate umpire couldn't see. Let me look up that video. So, okay, so it's a 1-1 count. And the third pitch of the at-bat, it was a pitch up and away in the zone. It was in the zone. It was definitely in the zone. 87, it's a strike, and it's called a ball. Next pitch, 2-1 count now, should have been 1-2. It's low and away, still a strike. I believe that was at 87 as well, and it was called a ball. Next pitch, 3-1. A pitch at 86, I think it was a breaking ball. That pitch, inside part of the zone, it was in the zone. Again, at Talking Fires on Twitter, scroll down the clips there. And he calls it ball four. And here was Mudd's reaction. It was a great reaction, by the way. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. You have got to be shaving me. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking when that happened. So there went you Darvish's perfect game. And then next batter, he allows a hit. And he had to throw a lot more pitches in that inning than he should have had to. Should have been out of the inning. Yeah, he made an error, really bad error, later in the inning. I think he threw like 30 pitches in that inning. Uh he was cruising, obviously, to start that. But that umpire was just blind in that at bat. The the Diamondbacks had like a eye care, or they they had some uh advertisement behind home plate sometimes during the game for glasses or something. And I was like, This umpire, I was thinking in my head, this umpire needs to go to that website. I forget what it was, or maybe it was like some like glasses insurance or something. It was kind of funny. Um, I don't know if that ad was up during that at bat, but it was. It was like, come on. I I get that home plate umpiring is hard. I've never done it at the big league level, but that that's kind of like my point. Like the with the robot umps. It's so hard now with you Darvish's movement on pitches and guys throwing 101 and stuff with two seamers, you know, darting out of the zone at the last second that you call a strike. Like this stuff now, it's like the umpiring behind on plate. It's like it's not meant for humans to do like these robots, having the automated robot system do it, which I believe they're testing in the Arizona Fall League later this year. Um. That's what should be doing it. It should be a system, like in tennis. It shouldn't be a human. They don't have that anymore. They don't have a human judging if it's in or out, right? Or if if they do, they might still have that person doing that, sitting up in the chair. But if they do, they have the replay system where it shows where the ball hit. And so immediately, the umpire can say, okay, the ball was out. Award the point to this person. You know, And in baseball, with the strike zone, I think that same thing should happen. Shouldn't have humans calling these guys balls and strikes anymore. It's not so much on the human, like the umpires, just not being able to pick it up. It's like, no duh, they're not able to pick it up. Guys are improving every year with the movement on their pitches, the velocity. It's just this isn't little league that they're umpiring. You know, it's hard to do that. It's it's get. I, I I assume. It's getting harder every year to do that. So, it's still, I still get frustrated, obviously, when these umpires continue to screw up calls. That made Darvish throw, I don't know how many more pitches, but that was an out. And Darvish shouldn't have even had to make that, shouldn't even, that error that he made where the ball went between his legs, shouldn't have even happened. Should have been out of the inning already. But the umpire called ball four when Jarvis threw four strikes in that at-bat. So, anyway, Garvish probably should have went longer than he did. Uh, but, anyway, he had a tremendous outing still. Gave up one hit. Got out of that jam, by the way, in whatever inning that was. Was it the fifth inning? Whenever, yeah, fifth inning. He got out of it. Um, I think he struck out Sergio Alcantara. But he finished He finished with like 90, 94 pitches. 70 of them were strikes. So very, very good from him. No runs. So back-to-back days from the Padres, starters, allowing zero runs. Uh, 12 combined innings with Darvish and Musgrove. Darvish six innings today. Musgrove went six innings yesterday. Suarez didn't give up a run out of the bullpen. Hone, uh gave up one run, but he pitched two innings, so... They have the off day tomorrow. Bullpen's going to be in good shape. Josh Hader is back, like I mentioned already. Uh, so there was some encouraging things from the bullpen. And obviously the offense today, Manny Machado homering in the first Juan Soto walking, I believe, in that first at-bat before Manny homered. Uh, Soto homering in the fifth inning, made it 4 nothing. He absolutely crushed that ball. I was surprised that it got out by only like five rows or whatever it was. I know the bullpen's right there, but I thought it was going to go way farther than that. He crushed that ball. By the way, the Padres should have had more home runs in this series. Well, maybe not should have because the game was at Chase Field. What are you going to do? But if the game was at Petco, if this series was at Petco, they would have had more home runs in this series. Myers hit one to the warning track. That would have been gone at Petco. Profar in, I think, the ninth inning, or was it the eighth? It might have been the eighth. Or No, I think it was the ninth. Whenever it was. He hit one to the warning track. Nola had to go back to first. It was a bad throw. He slid into first, then had to run back to second. So he was getting his gassers in. Uh, And then he scored. Yeah, it was the ninth. He scored on Juan Soto's double down the line. So Juan Soto, he looks back. I mean, confident swing. He's smiling again. Absolutely love to see it. Uh, He went three for four today. Two runs scored. Drove in two runs. Uh, He walked once. Manny and Soto today combined for four hits, four runs scored, four runs driven in, and two walks. I mean, that's huge. Juan Soto on the past couple of days uh, at the plate, how he's felt compared to Thursday. This is from Dennis Lynn, quote, it feels way different. It feels like we can beat anybody. Uh, So I guess that wasn't about his feeling at the plate. It was more about, well, maybe it kind of is. But it's more about just the team overall. On Thursday, obviously they were flat. The you know Bob Melvin, Padre manager, called them out as he should have. Team looked flat. Looked like they weren't even trying to fight. Um, some short at bats. They were, it looked like they were easily just trying to get out of there in the ninth inning on Thursday. Players only meeting on Friday took accountabilities. Uh, look, ego needs to go out the window. Um, personal goals. Look, you'll get there if. You helped the team win, I'm sure that's probably what was something said in the meeting, uh, just based on what Musgrove said about it. Um, I think that was on Friday after they had the meeting, whenever that was did to Dennis Lynn um, the meeting worked, and I think guys probably during that meeting they were probably like or maybe after, you know what, man, yeah, I have been putting my personal go- my personal wants my desires, my ego uh ahead of this team. And that's why I've seen my performance decline or that's why this team probably doesn't have as many wins as we want, you know, at this point in the year. They still, today I believe they guarantee themselves a record above 500, but there's plenty of games. Obviously, this is the same thing with every team in the league, by the way. But with the Padres, There's plenty of games recently as well that you could look at and say, man, we probably should have won that game, or at least we should have had more of a fighting chance to win that game uh, if some things didn't happen. So I'm glad that they had that meeting. Obviously, a meeting is just a meeting if they don't win games. Right. Last year in Arizona, after they were no hit by Tyler Gilbert, uh, they had a players only meeting and. They didn't go win a bunch of games after that. I think they won one game, the game after the meeting, and then was it six straight losses? Whatever it was, it wasn't pretty. So meetings don't, a meeting doesn't matter unless the players take it to heart, unless the players really change what they're doing and maybe their mentality after the meeting takes place. And can they do it the rest of the year? Like, that's the big question. I think they will. They see it's the middle of September. They see themselves as the two seed right now, a half game ahead of Philadelphia, two and a half ahead of Milwaukee. And they're probably as a clubhouse saying, you know what? How are we going to finish this thing? We're right here. We didn't come this far just to come this far. Uh, you guys have probably heard that quote somewhere. Like, and I think that rings true for this Padres team. All of the stuff that has happened this year, um, you know, Preller didn't go bring all of these guys in, didn't go bring Soto in, Melvin, Drury, Bell, Martinez, Mania, Hayter, down the list. Garcia, Suarez, uh, down the line, just a bunch of guys, Jorge Alfaro didn't bring all of these guys in to have a playoff spot in mid September, but don't make the playoffs, end up not making the playoffs at the end of the season. Right? You didn't come this far just to come this far. They got to finish the job. So that meeting, it worked this weekend. Is that meeting something of a turning point mentality-wise? Is it something of a turning point that we can identify uh, when this regular season is over? As a positive, as a real turning point, something where the team was here and they started going up? Hopefully, I hope we can. So we'll see. Uh but this series was a very very positive series in my mind. They they did what I thought that they should have done. And that was taking 3 out of 4 against a team that they're better than. Um I believe the Padres they finished let me let me check this before I even say what I think they finished the season against the Diamondbacks as I saw it somewhere here. Pod this is from John Schaefer. he says the Padres went fourteen and five against the Diamondbacks this season. Their most wins against any opponent since going fourteen and four against the Giants in two thousand and seven. Obviously they didn't make the postseason in two thousand and seven. That was, I believe, the play-in game, the Game 163 year where Matt Holiday didn't touch home plate. But yeah, 14 and 5 against the Diamondbacks, that's something they didn't do last year, obviously, right? There's a bunch of games against the Diamondbacks, against the Rockies, that they didn't win. And those are games that you know the Dodgers of the world do win. The good teams beat the bad teams. I know that sounds obvious, like no duh, but it's it's true. Um, you don't have to beat the, the bad teams all the time. You know the, I think the Pirates swept the Dodgers at one point this year. But if you go look at the Dodgers' schedule, I assure you that the majority of the bad teams on that schedule, the Dodgers beat. Right. That's why they're 144 or whatever going into tonight's Sunday night baseball game against the Giants. So winning these series, taking three out of four, uh, big picture, it's good, really good, because... The Padres are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're showing that they're a good team, beating the bad teams, right? It's also good short-term because now they have a two-and-a-half game lead on a playoff spot. That means nothing, obviously, if um, unless they can finish the job. But I'd rather have a two-and-a-half game lead right now than be where Milwaukee is or have a one-and-a-half game lead like they had yesterday, right? So I think it's a very encouraging series. Let's get to some questions here. Any comments here in the chat. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Again, this is episode 233 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Uh, Brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're the sponsor. Gaglionebros.com is their website. So, all right, let's start here with Jerry. Uh, These are probably some older comments from the beginning of this episode, but that's just the way I'm doing it right now. yeah, I talked about, I touched on the wave a little bit. Jerry says, I saw a wave game that they were playing on the road and the crowd was cheering for them, probably mostly Alex Morgan. Yeah. When Alex Morgan's, you know, playing for the wave, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of uh, probably young girls, right, cheering for Alex um, in road games. The atmosphere was amazing. Uh, the players, and Sheridan, the goalie, was out there for a long time with fans. Uh, After the game, Alex Morgan was uh, taking pictures and signing autographs with fans for a while after the game as well. Uh, What a first night for the Wave at Snapdragon. I mean, probably it could have gone better if you asked the players because it wasn't their best game. Uh, But in terms of selling out the crowd, winning, beating uh, the L.A. team, uh, having Having a win that no one's gonna forget you know it, it wasn't just a a four one win or something where I guess you could remember it, but a one nothing win you had the seventeen year old score on a header and he had Kalen Sheridan make a block on a penalty kick two blocks on the same play uh the same penalty after the same penalty kick so it was very it was a very memorable win, a very memorable a Snapdragon wave debut. That was the first event held there with a actual packed crowd. Cause remember the San Diego state football game, it wasn't that packed because of how hot it was. Maybe it was packed. It was packed on the concourse, but like this was the first time that the stands were packed and that it was like an actual amazing atmosphere. So that was cool to be a part of. I went, that was an amazing night to be a part of. Um, Irie says, nice win, MCC 951, great weekend, CCECDC says, go Padres. Irie says, I've been over Trent Grisham for two years, 2020, any award winning is considered fool's gold, that gold glove, that Dodgers World Series, LOL. Yeah, I'm of the belief that that Dodgers World Series isn't really a real World Series. Sure, they won, but... Clayton Kershaw, for example, this is just one example of how a short season affected the Dodgers' chances of winning positively. Clayton Kershaw, right? He's been hurt sometimes um, in his career from the long season. Well, guess what? It was a two-month season. That takes, what, three months off of his arm? That's huge, you know? So there's that, there, you know? um, the Padres in the NLDS against the Dodgers, you know, I don't have to go over this. I know a bunch of you probably already know, but, like, LeMet got hurt. Clev got hurt. You know, they, they weren't even confident in having Paddock start an NLDS game. So, you know, it's it, it was kind of like the perfect circumstances for the Dodgers in that season. And with Trent, I still believe, in terms of the gold glove comment, he's still a good fielder. I know he had a terrible like week and a half or whatever that was. Remember when he dropped that pop up in center field at Coors Field? Like he was lost. Um, I'm not saying he can't help the team this year. I think he's like I said this earlier, I believe in this episode. I think he's still going to help the team. But in terms of right now, who's helping the team more overall? It's Jose Azokar. He's helping the team more. He's being be- he's just better right now offensively at the plate. He's on fire at the plate. Hit 500 during this Diamondback series. Iris says, "Touching back on Myers. Remember, Bell is a rental. Myers is outstanding first baseman. Who would honestly be cheaper? And it's not like Josh Bell's raking for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Padres are going to try to bring Jury back at least now more than Bell and Myers." I don't know if they want Myers to be the starting first baseman. I probably wouldn't. I think you want more power from that position. But I forget when I said this. Maybe it was a pregame show during this Dineback series. But if Will Myers is willing to accept a role like the one he's in right now, where he does play first base some games, he DHs some games, um, if he's willing to accept that, on a one year deal. I think both sides should be interested in that partnership coming back for another year. But my mindset right now is that it's Will's last year, and I want Will to have a World Series with the Padres. That would be so cool to see him. Obviously, it would be cool for the whole city of San Diego, it would be cool for everyone and every aspect of the Padres because they'd never done it before. But for Myers to have one would be especially special. Because he's been through everything that we've been through, you know, Andy Green and having Pat Murphy manage some games as the interim manager when the season was over and he's been through everything. Gabe asks, Ben, are you a Chargers fan? No. Not anymore. Irie says, keep Azokar, bench Trent, then the offseason, acquire Brian Reynolds, whatever it takes to get that $6.3 million contract from the Pirates. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I guess Brian Reynolds would be nice, but I'm not huge on Brian Reynolds. Remember when there were some people that were willing to give C.J. Abrams up for Brian Reynolds? Brian Reynolds has not been the same guy. 2.3 war this year. Still has an above average OPS plus. Uh, yeah, I guess he has 23 home runs. But last year, he hit 302. This year, he's hitting 257. On base percentage last year was 390. This year, it's 335. His OPS last year was 912. This year, it's 782. I wouldn't be opposed to Brian Reynolds, but. I don't know if the Padres even have enough now uh, because the Pirates were asking for too much even when the Padres had Abrams and Gore and everyone still. So, I don't know. I I don't think they'd get Brian Reynolds, but that's obviously conversations we can have when the season's over. Luis asks, you think the Padres are going to make the postseason? Yes. Anyone that's been watching or listening, they know that I've been saying that I think they're going to make the postseason for months now, probably. I've never, at least I don't remember me saying this, I don't remember me saying this season ever that the Padres are not going to make the postseason. I've probably said that it's it's going to be harder, especially like when the Tatis suspension happened and all that, but I've never said the Padres are not going to make the, the postseason. Or I've never said I don't think they're going to. I've always had the faith, uh, even when Soto's been in this big slump and Kim was slumping, and they were getting crushed by the Dodgers uh, in those series. You know, losing the series those back-to-back weekends. I've always said that they're. I, I still think they're going to make the postseason because Soto's going to play better. Starting pitching is going to be better consistently. Look what's happened. That's. I know it's one weekend, but things are getting better. The players are performing. Like we're expecting them to perform, and they're in the second wild card spot now. It's crazy what keeping the faith does. Luis says they have to make it to the wild card. I agree. If they don't make the postseason, uh, I'm probably going to be speechless. Yeah, Desert Punks, I agree here. Really curious what was said in the clubhouse. I don't know. All we know is what Dennis Lynn reported and what Musgrove said, which was uh, the struggles aren't like preparation or workout related, like guys are putting in the work. It was just about putting egos and personal desires aside for the team. Uh, so that's pretty much what it was. But what was said, yeah, they're, they're not going to say that, nor should – We even really expect them to say anything. That's, you know, what stays in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. Or what happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. Whatever. You understand what I was going to say there. All right. So the Padres, they have the off day tomorrow. And then they've got a three-game series against the Cardinals. Will Albert Pujols get the 700 home runs? Obviously, that's the big question, right? He's at 698, I believe, right now. And he did not home run today, I don't think. Let me double check on that. Yeah. Cardinals lost 3-0 to the Reds. Cardinals, they're going to win their division. Eight-game lead on Milwaukee. They're 87-61 right now. They're 6-4 and in their last 10 uh off day tomorrow tuesday wednesday thursday is when the series is i heard that the game on tuesday is going to be on tbs um uh, it's on valley as well but i guess it's on tbs so i'm sure that the tbs crew is going to be writing yachty and wainwright and Pujols. i'm not saying that they shouldn't be but uh you know they're great players I feel like sometimes they write him a little too much. But Tuesday's game, Wainwright on the mound for the Cardinals, Mike Clevenger on the mound for the Padres. That's at 640. Mania's not going to start in this series, by the way. They're skipping him there, and I believe he's going to throw in Colorado. That's what I saw, I think, from Kevin Acey today before the series finale. Uh, Wednesday, 640, Miles Michaelis against Blake Snell. You'd think the Padres would have a good chance of winning that game. And then Thursday, 1-10, Jack Flaherty, excuse me, on the mound for the Cardinals against Joe Musgrove. That's gonna, You would think that's going to be a good pitching matchup. So I would think it's going to be a competitive series. After that three-game series, the Padres have three games against the Rockies in Colorado before coming back home and I believe playing the Dodgers. Uh, Milwaukee, while the Padres have an off day tomorrow, Milwaukee plays the Mets. They have, is it three games against the Mets? Yeah, three games against the Mets in Milwaukee. And then they've got four games against the Reds. So yeah, there's that Red Series I was talking about. So the Brewers' string of good teams is going to end after this Met series that they play. So, we'll see. Uh, I, I definitely anticipate the standings changing. Not in terms of teams making it. Uh, maybe the Brewers make it over the Phillies or something. Or the Phillies take the five spot over us and we're the six spot. But personally, I think that the games, like how many games back the last team out uh, finishes, I don't think it'll be two games or two and a half. I think it'll change. I don't know to what, but I doubt it'll be at how many it is right now. But as I talk right now, as I end this episode, the Padres have a two and a half game lead on a playoff spot. They have a half game lead on Philadelphia for the fifth seed. And if the season ended today, it doesn't. But if the season ended today, the Padres would play the four seed, which is, I believe, the Atlanta Braves. Let me check that real quick just to make sure. I believe the Mets still lead the National League East, despite getting swept by the Cubs this past week. Yep. So if season end today, the Padres would travel to Atlanta to play the Braves. And the Phillies, I believe, would play in St. Louis against the Cardinals. I personally probably want the sixth seed because not about the NL wildcard opponent, but the Dodgers. You just delay having to face them as long as you can. If you're the sixth seed, you win that series against the Cardinals, then you get to play, I think, the the, uh, Mets, the two seed. But again, we still have weeks to go in the season. It's September 18th right now. The season ends October 5th. So Padres still have 15 games left. The Brewers have more than 15. Uh, I think the Yankees have like 19, for example. So the Padres have more off days because they had a long stretch without game or without off days at different points during this season. So it's all even and out, and we'll see. So this has been fun. Episode 233, Talking Friars Podcast and YouTube Show. Brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. I hope to have an interview later this week for you. Stay tuned for that. Go Padres. Keep the faith. And I'll see you guys later.